Yeah, just trying to figure out the uh, the right way to pose this question, like without having the show be a downer, if that is possible. But Kirstie Alley, I mean, obviously Cheers and a whole bunch of other roles, like Farrah Fawcett, uh, also dying of colorectal cancer. Now, I don't know uh, how often she had a colonoscopy, whether she'd had colonoscopies. I haven't uh, gotten that deep into it, but you know, clearly that is something that is advised by your gastroenterologist. And unfortunately, um, you hear and with, with with cancer or any of these diseases, it is. Uh, it, it's something that, I said earlier, it's no respecter of persons. Doctors die of cancer. My gastroenterologist who did the colonoscopy on me when I turned 50, he died a couple of years ago of liver cancer. The guy never drank, and he, he died of, of liver cancer. He was a wonderful human being. Ilya, uh, just a tremendous, uh, just a great man. One of just an old school doctor. You go in, you'd go in before the colonoscopy. He'd sit down with you. He'd explain everything to you, answer your questions, and uh, tell you, "Hey, everything is it, it's going to be okay." I I asked him. I said, "Okay, be honest with me. Uh, you know what, uh, what? 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 How many? How many patients have you lost during a colonoscopy?" And he said, two. Both of them were very elderly with very very." Uh, 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 already uh, delicate uh, uh, skin in certain areas. Um, and I felt, oh, okay, well, that seems like reasonable considering the fact you've done tens of thousands of colonoscopies. I won't be concerned with it. But uh, again, Channel 7, way back when, uh, Irv Weinstein, Tom Joles, Rick Azar, the uh, Channel 7 Eyewitness News team did a series, and they called it. The cancer no one talks about. And this might sound gross to some people, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be gratuitously fecal or scatological, but uh, people, as a result of that series, um, were sending poop samples through the U.S. mail by the tens of thousands as a result of that series. And frankly, Channel 7... Through that series, the cancer no one talks about probably saved a lot of lives. And it, you have to understand, in the 1970s, it was absolutely revolutionary to talk publicly about colorectal cancer. It's a real thing. And the good news is, if it's caught early enough, like most other cancers... Um, it is really abundantly treatable. Now, there are some cancers, uh, I hear about them, and, well, one would be, for example, pancreatic cancer. Patrick Swayze, the actor, put up a valiant battle against pancreatic cancer, um, as did the computer dude. Vali- I think he was, it was, was it not pancreatic? Well, uh, but... It, 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 that that's one of those that um, that's a diagnosis you you don't want to have because it's uh, it's there's probably not going to be a real good outcome for you. 
and we're, we're entering the holidays here, and we should be festive. But at the same time, it's kind of like the upside down, you know, the frowning and the smiling faces of theater. At the same time, life goes on in us and around us. Yeah, we're festive. Santa Claus is coming to town. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, look, they're showing Alistair Sim, a Christmas carol. This is great. But there are people out there who are mourning people who, who have died of, of cancer. And I, I don't know if you want to tell us about somebody who died too young of cancer that you personally knew. Now... Uh, Kirstie Alley, Kirstie Alley was 71 years old. Now, is 71 years old old? Well, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into one's age. Some people at 71 can look like they're in their 40s. I know a lady who is older than that who looks like she's in her 30s. I think she might have had some work done. But this is a beautiful, beautiful woman inside and out, okay? Uh, is she, I, I don't look at her as being old at all. Um, and there are people in their 40s who, they just seem old. Didn't take real good care of themselves, and you look at them, and they look old. And... The age at which somebody becomes old. Uh, I find this to be a fascinating question. As a little kid, did you ever ask your grandparents, how old are you? Your grandparents would say, I'm 61. You'd say, you're old. You're more than half a century old. Wow. You're like a dinosaur. And then once you start to be about that age, suddenly you realize, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're at the same age now as your grandparents were when you thought they were ancient Egyptians as a little kid. True story, right? And there are people uh, every day, every day, at very young. I do not believe that 71 is young. I also don't believe it's old. But I don't believe it's young. It is 71 years of age. Okay? 59 is not young. Is it old? Well, there's a lot of factors that go into it. See, at 59, I kind of think that old is 70. Now, it, 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 your mind can play some pl pretty funny tricks on you. And as you know, the more days you spend on this earth, the faster those days go. I cannot believe it was one year ago today I took Glenna to the veterinarian for the very last time. A year ago today. And yeah, she, she's the cat who told me I'm ready to go. All right, let's go to uh, Mary in uh, beautiful Akron, New York. You are on WBEN. Mary, uh, what, do you, what do you have for us uh, on the program? Well, my brother uh, died in July from esophageal cancer, and it was tough, you know, having him die that young, and to me, that's young. <laughs> well, how, how, how old was he? 63. 63, okay. And it was the second brother I've lost to cancer. My first brother died at age 50 with lung cancer. Oh, good grief. 
Yeah, yeah. So it was not not easy. No, you you mentioned um, lung cancer and cancer of the esophagus. Were were both of your brothers uh, smokers? Yes, they were. Were they heavy smokers? Um, I think so. I don't know. Were they also yeah, big? Everybody's a heavy smoker because I don't smoke and never did. Were they also <laughs> Were they also big drinkers? Just out of curiosity. No, no, not really. See, I mean, because in the old days, uh, the number one cause was uh, was smoking, and alcohol was number two. Now the number one cause is something uh, entirely different. But um, going into the, the holidays, having lost brothers, siblings, you've experienced the sibling loss, 50 and 63 years of age to cancer. Um, when you hear a story like Kirstie Alley, what's on your mind with that? Well, you know, you you wonder, you you feel for them because I mean, cancer is not an easy thing to to die from. I mean, you know, even if you get treatment, treatment is sometimes worse than the the cancer itself. You know, depending on what type of treatment you get, it's hard to uh, see them, you know, go through this. And um, so, you know, you just have to realize you got to live each day to the fullest and. Um, Love the people you're, you know, with, and let them know you love them. <laughs> well, what uh, do you do? You do anything special? Believe perhaps you believe that this might have a genetic component in addition to a lifestyle component. These things usually do. Do you take extra steps? I mean, obviously you don't smoke, but do you take extra medical steps to try to get an early diagnosis for yourself, just in case? Um, I've had, you know, X-rays and MRIs of my stomach and my chest and my, you know, uh, not necessarily for that, for other things, but, uh, you know, they would have spotted it, I'm sure, if it was. But, I, I, you know, I had a friend, a girlfriend, who just <laughs> was diagnosed with lung cancer, too, and it just came on all of a sudden, you know, and, and her, her symptoms were more like like pain and stomach problems, you know? So it's strange, you know, you just don't know. No, you don't, and diff, diff, like it's like anything. Different diseases affect different people in exactly. in different ways. Exactly. Yep. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear about your siblings, and I'm sorry to hear about uh, the lady of uh, your acquaintance. Now, um, when when your brothers were diagnosed and going through treatment, and realized that the treatment wasn't going to work. Did you did they go through profound changes? Can you describe um, how they dealt with what they knew was a losing fight? Well, my one brother, I, I really think the treatment, you know, the first one, the fifty-year-old, did die from the the, the uh, radiation. I think it affected his heart, and that's what he, you know, subsequently died from. Um, my other brother was due to have treatment, and just before his first treatment, his blood work came back off, and they were checking to see if they could fix it. And then in the hospital for that, he ended up, uh, you know, going downhill. So <laughs> let me let me ask, do you, wait, do you have one of those husbands who's talking to you in the background? No. Oh, I thought you must have something out in the background, because uh, I, I, I heard a dude talking, and husbands are notorious for that. Here, you call him, honey. Um, <laughs> so let me let me ask you a question here, because I'm interested in your answer, having lost brothers at 50 and 63. To you, what is old? When somebody says, I'm blank, you say, damn, they're old. Well, like you said, it goes according to when you're 20, you know, 50s old, 60s old, 
And as you get older, it's, you know, young. I'm older than they, both of them, so um, I'm just thankful that I have, I'm still alive. And uh, I think at this point, 80s old, <laughs> 90s old, but I'm hoping to reach it, you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting. My, my mother's 89 years old, and she, mm-hmm. she knows she's old. Yeah. I mean, there ain't no denying it. She's old. <laughs> um, thank you uh, very much, Mary. I, I appreciate it. And, and I'll tell you what, what's weird. And those of you who are in your 20s or 30s, and I, I hope we don't have any 20 or 30-year-olds who are dealing with cancer right now. If you are, please feel free to call uh, because um, it's that is something that, that is such a burden um, that you are experiencing. See, you, what happens is you get to a certain age and you understand that anything can happen at any time. And if this was your last day on earth, you had a pretty good run. But when you're 20 or 30 years old and you get a diagnosis like that, I mean, of course you want to keep your spirits up. You want to get as much information as possible, give yourself the best chance as possible. But it's got to be difficult Especially when you hear about, oh, so-and-so at the Today Show. So-and-so turned 108 years old, and you just like to hit 60. That's got to be tough. Here's uh, Jack in uh, West Seneca. Just, I, I don't want the show to be a downer. I want it to be a thinker. Jack in West Seneca, you're on WBEN. Hello. Hi, Tom. It was nice talking with you. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, December is kind of a... It used to be a wonderful month. Uh, my wife would decorate the house, and it was Christmas, Christmas, Christmas all the time. It was her favorite holiday. Um, uh, three years ago, December 10th, she passed, and uh, she was diagnosed in January of 2019 uh, of stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Um and uh, I thought I was a fighter. Um, I'm a quadriplegic, but I thought that I was a fighter until I saw what she went through. She was marvelous. She she fought it tooth and nail. Um, and until the last month or two, it just really, really took a hold of her. And um, she was went downhill rapidly from that that is um that that is a that is a very long time um uh, to to live with pancreatic cancer um stage four five-year survival rate of just one percent and she didn't make five years she made just under one year but yes. but let, let me let me ask you a, a, a question. Um, yeah. Understanding obviously that you loved this woman, and she was your life. All the fighting that she did, all the meds, all of the therapies, all of the visits to the hospitals and the doctors, were they worth it? Was there quality of life there? Oh yeah. Um... You know, we went to Roswell, and uh, uh, initially, you know, she went uh, every uh, every week for chemo, and uh, she was a fighter. She's she sang with her chorus and her quartet, and 
you know, she, oh, my God, uh, she was, had a big quality of life. And wow. I, I don't know whether it was for her or for me or for her her sons and her grandchildren. I, I honestly don't know. But, boy, I'll tell you, she fought till the very end. And I'm sorry, but how old was she when she died? Uh, 67. Mm. So how are you, as a quadriplegic, how are you making do in the absence of your life partner? You live by yourself? Um, yes, uh, I have. For the past three years, my youngest son has been living with me, but he just bought a home, and uh, he's probably closing on it uh, during the month of January. And uh, I'm going to be living by myself, but uh, I have a wonderful aide and a wonderful nurse that have been taking care of me for 15 to 20 years. And uh, uh, they are like my family. And, um, you know, I, I drive and I'm able to get around and uh, I occupy and I sing. And I I do stuff myself and keep my myself busy and and live my life. Jack, are you are you the guy who got T boned in the car wreck? No, no, I wasn't. Okay, we had, we had a caller who suffered horrible injuries uh, in in an automobile accident. I I don't mean to pry. Um, no. So your your wife, Mrs. Christmas, we'll call her Mrs. Claus. Um, the person you are going to be missing. And, you know, I, I can tell how much you love her, and I, I don't know how you're holding it together the way you are. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you're holding uh, holding it together uh, the way you are. And uh, I just I wish you a, a very Merry Christmas, and thanks for telling us the story of, of your wife, uh, yeah. whom you lost to pancreatic cancer. I hold it together for my family. For my kids and my grandkids. So, well, thank you, uh, thank you very much, Jack. I uh, I appreciate hearing from you. Um, Kirsty Alley died yesterday of cancer. She was seventy-one years old, um, older than Jack's wife was. Uh, she died of uh, Kirsty Alley died of uh, colon cancer. And there was a time when you didn't even say the word cancer in polite company. My mother in my mother's era. You didn't saw, you didn't talk about cancer. That did, that wasn't uh, until relatively modern times. It's funny how <laughs> we suddenly believe that 50 years ago was relatively modern times. Um, that's something that happens as you get older. Your your idea of modern changes a little bit as we gain in experience, or we just get older. All right, yes. Christopher Cross, if you don't know, the godfather of Yacht Rock, who played the Riviera Theater in North Tonawanda uh, a few Mondays ago, put on a very memorable show, legendary from the moment it ended as he sang Think of Laura. Oh, anyway, uh, welcome to the show. It is uh, Bowerly. I want to switch gears here because... I mentioned something at the beginning of the show, 
And I don't want to spend the rest of the show, pardon me, I don't want to spend the rest of the show on it, uh, this particular topic, but one of the uh, most rewarding parts of what I do is the sex and drugs. Now, I'm sorry, it came out wrong. One of the most rewarding parts of what I do is when I open up an email and it says, Tom, you saved my life by talking about your heart attack. If I had not gotten to the hospital, I would have died. Now, I always like to say this because we got that one call that Josh and I always laugh about. It's not a show about me. It's not a show about me. What I'm going to do is use an incident from my life as a springboard for your calls and your stories about you. But I like to let you know why I'm doing it. And this is uh, this is like five years to the day when I began having a massive widowmaker heart attack. I mentioned this before once or twice, along with I'm not a doctor and I'm not a lawyer, but I should not be here. I should have died at the age of 54 in December of 2017. Every statistic, every, it, it, it's, it's, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. The doctors did not understand it, okay? But um, I'm a heart attack survivor. And, a, like, we're talking a big, bad heart attack survivor. Like, I shouldn't have gotten through that one. They were amazed, the doctors were. And let me just uh, describe what it was like, because I want to find out about your heart attack and how old were you when you had it. And, and the reason I bring this up, people think that, oh, nobody dies of a heart attack in their 20s or 30s or 40s. Really? Well, obviously, there's a bell curve. Well, actually, it's more like a, well, never mind. But it, it, obviously, you got less of a chance in your 20s than you do in your 40s or 50s. But during the last storm, very prominent Western New York restaurant man died in his 40s shoveling snow. Okay? So, yeah, you can be in your 40s and die of a heart attack. And everybody's symptoms are a little bit different for a heart attack. And no, I'm not a zoologist, but just thought I'd change it up a little bit, throw you a curveball. But when I get emails from people saying, thank you for talking about your experiences because I went to the hospital and I was having a heart attack and I got there just in time, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. It's like that day the car was going the wrong way on the 190 and people called in afterwards saying, Tom, you saved my life. I pulled over to the side of the road and I would have I avoided a head-on collision. It's moments like that that you don't really forget because I'm a stupid talk show host. I'm, I'm a two-bit clown idiot with a microphone, okay? At the end of the day, that's what I am. That's what I do. So when people say, you are alive only because of what happened 
by listening to me, it's kind of cool. And it's one of the most rewarding parts of the job, along with the sex and drugs. But the, uh, just kidding, got to have a sense of humor about these things. But I want to know about you and your heart attack. You and your heart attack. And I especially want to hear from people in their 30s and 40s and 50s. And when you knew that you were having a heart attack, one of the biggest problems that you have when you're having a heart attack is your body and your brain conspire against you along with the Illuminati and the alien anal probes. Your body and your mind conspire against you. You go into denial mode. This can't be happening to me. Perhaps it's indigestion. Perhaps I pulled a muscle. Well, in my case, I had chest pain. I was extremely fatigued. And I'd say about a month prior to the symptoms manifesting themselves, um, I felt, I can only describe this as an impending sense of doom. This feeling deep inside that something wasn't right, that something bad was going on and I couldn't put my finger on it. There was no chest pain. There was no real fatigue or anything like that. It was just a feeling that something's a little messed up, except I didn't word, use the word messed up. I might have used another one. But um, anyway, true story. I've told you this before, and this is only leading into your telephone calls. Okay. It's not a me, 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 me thing. Um for days before I went to the hospital, Bellavia saw me walking around with my hand on my chest, looking very ashen. And he said, go to the hospital, dude. And my body and my brain conspired against me. I refused to admit that I was having a heart attack. I went to one of those urgent medical places they told me, your blood pressure is whatever it was, 240 over 220. You need to get to the emergency room now. I said, eh, you know what? I think I'm just going to go sleep this off. It can't really be a big deal. And I made me sign a waiver, legally, of course, and I went home. And I sat down on the couch, and I wanted to just put my head on my pillow and go to sleep. And then, like a bolt from the blue, a bolt from the blue, it suddenly dawned on me. You are having a heart attack. If you put your head on that pillow, you are never going to wake up again alive, and you'll probably ruin the cushions when you die, which is a thought I didn't really relish. Not the way you want to be found. It's inevitable, however. But... I made a telephone call. Mrs. Nerd drove from badminton. She was a little bit upset with me because she said, you need to go to the hospital. I said, no, I'm going to take a nap. I'm sure I'll feel better. But the, the, the moment of truth truly was, 
sitting on the couch. It just it came over me like a jellyfish, stinging me in a thousand different places. Dude, you're having a heart attack. You need medical attention big time. And, you know, I remember the ads used to be get to gates in situations like that. So we went to Buffalo General, and I was having a heart attack. They, they couldn't figure out exactly when it reached its crescendo, if you will, but all the chemical markers were there for the heart attack. And um, it's it, it was a very interesting experience because uh, of, of many reasons. But basically, if you've been there, and, and I want your stories because your stories may help other people like my stories have supposedly helped other people over the years in situations like this, all right? But they gave me nitro, which gave me the worst headache ever, they gave me morphine, which was awesome, um, and then um, they called in this doctor who is really good with angiograms, and what they do with an angiogram is they put a wire into your vein, it's got a camera on it, and basically they can actually get a, a, a eyes on your arteries, and before they did it, they said, we're going to give you fentanyl now, and I said, no, you're not. I've read all about fentanyl. I'm not going to take fentanyl. Are you kidding me? They said, chill, dude. It's medical fentanyl, and we're doctors. We're not drug dealers. said, well, okay, I guess I'll accept it. That was a good move. But they could not figure out. They could, they, they could not figure out how I was even alive given the severity of the blockages. True story. And they, they have no idea. I, I shouldn't be, but I am. But I just want to tell you, the reason I'm bringing this up this time of the year is it was early December of 2017. This all happened to me. That was five years ago. And it was a very surreal experience, and it still is a surreal experience to, to think about it. And if you've been there, you know of what I speak. But I, I really want to hear from those of you who are in your 20s, 30s, maybe your 40s, who had heart attacks. When did you know? Were you a little faster on the uptake? What advice would you give to the other people listening? And I would tell anybody listening, okay, as somebody who has been there, if you even remotely think that you're having a heart attack, get your ass to Buffalo General or Gates or Mercy Hospital. I mean, those are the three top ones. Uh, I'm not sure, frankly, how well ECMC does with cardiac issues. Everybody's got a specialty. ECMC is a level one trauma center. I don't know how they do with heart stuff, but I do know Buffalo General and Gates are excellent. Mercy is excellent, too. Um, 803-0930. Star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. The intent of this show, again, it's not to talk about me, all right? I'm simply using what happened to me as an illustration of what not to do. What not to do. And I want to find out what your experience was when you had a heart attack. Because we just talked about cancer, right? Heart, heart disease is the number one killer in America, it's the silent killer. 
even called it that in The Sopranos. And I get all my medical advice from Junior Soprano. All right, as we uh, enter the holidays, we enter the holidays. Look, I am not trying to urinate on anybody's cornflakes, all right? It ain't That ain't the point of this. But this is like the fifth anniversary of the infamous Widowmaker heart attack. And I want to hear your stories about how you personally, it's about you. I simply explained what happened to me. I want to know what happened to you. And when you tell your story, you may very well bring to somebody's attention similar things that they're going through that will cause them to go to the hospital. Because, like I said, introducing this topic, the most rewarding emails I've received ever have been those that have been, thanks, Tom, you saved my life. You saved my husband's life. You saved my wife's. Well, I didn't save your life, but the information you heard caused you to say, huh, I'd better get this checked out because I'm having those symptoms right now. Um, I want your stories. I'm not going to do this the rest of the show, okay? It's going to be basically um, as long as it is interesting And people are calling in with good stories, and I think it's being helpful to people. Especially want to hear from people who are younger, 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe early 50s. I mean, look, I felt young in my early 50s. I don't feel so young now, I'll tell you that much. But um, that's, that's that's a long story. I mean, a lot of it is genetics and everything else. And you have different genetics than I unless we're related in some way, but you had a heart attack. What's your story? What would you tell people? Tell us what happened in your body and in your brain. And when you finally realized I got to go to the hospital. See, a lot of us think when we're growing up, you see the movies, you see the cartoons, you see the, the comedy shows, the old red Fox Sanford and son that when you're having a heart attack, you grab your chest and you keel over, and it's obvious, aha, that person's having a heart attack. Well, no, not necessarily. The symptoms can be a lot more subtle. And then again, sometimes the symptoms are so bloody obvious, and you build a fortress of unreality around yourself and pretend that you're not having a heart attack. All right, what's your story? 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Your call's coming up, and maybe you'll save a life.